Welcome to the Testimony Podcast, people of faith telling the stories that matter from their lives. I'm your host, Andrew Chamberlain, and I'm delighted that you can join us for this conversation. You can subscribe to the Testimony Podcast on all of the major podcast distributors and follow us on Twitter at TestimonyCast and Instagram at TestimonyPodcast. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Testimony Podcast. My guest for this episode is the worship leader, songwriter and entrepreneur, Andrew Mitchell. Andrew grew up in a tiny village just outside Edinburgh in Scotland and at the age of just 10 he gave his life to Christ. In his teenage years, Andrew wanted to become an evangelist, but family circumstances made him change his mind and he decided to go into law. But God had other ideas, directing him to go instead into music and worship. Now, I think it's fair to say that Andrew needed some convincing to change from the secure and potentially lucrative career that law offered into something much more uncertain, music worship. But in the end, he was obedient and that was the commitment that he made. He ended up making three albums before God called him to change direction again. Andrew and his wife then went into property development and it is only recently after a number of years of doing that that Andrew feels he is being led back into worship leading and to taking all of the songs that he has written during the last few years and release them into the world. And he has just released a new song, the first for quite a while, and that song is called For All You Have. And we'll be listening to that song during our conversation. I had a wonderful time talking to Andrew about how God speaks to us, how we will never outdream God's plans for us, and above all, how our identity, whatever we do, whatever we turn our hand to, and whatever we're called to, is always in Christ. This is Andrew's story. I hope you enjoy listening to it. Andrew, welcome to the Testimony Podcast. It's great to have you as my guest today. Yeah, it's a joy to be here, Andy. Thank you so much for the invitation. Oh, it's great to have you. And um, I want to start by just giving you an opportunity to tell us all a little bit about you, your upbringing, family, um, some, and some of the things that you get up to now. Uh, well, I grew up actually in a really beautiful but very tiny uh, hamlet in the countryside, about a dozen houses or so. And I was born in Edinburgh, but my parents wanted us to have a lovely kind of country upbringing uh, with lots of space to roam about, which which we got, which was great. And yeah, I I I went to a little local uh, Presbyterian church with my parents who weren't Christians, but they were kind of nominal churchgoers. Um, I think they thought it would be good for us. And uh, around about the age of 10, a kind of missions team actually came through for a week of mission events to the next sort of biggest village to ours, which was a huge mecca of about 600 houses, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and my parents chucked me off down there every night for about seven days, probably thinking it would do me some good and hoping that the something of, of the message would wear, wear off on me. But actually, the, the incredible thing is it did. I mean, I was so impacted by the love and the genuineness of the leaders on that team that by the end of that week, um, I just devoured every worship song and every mm. scripture verse, every memory verse, everything they taught about. I decided I wanted to give my life to Jesus. So I went to, to the, the main leader, who I still know, actually, love, which is so lovely, and I gave my life to Jesus. He led me to Christ. I was ten years old. So that was a that was a kind of seminal moment for you when you were ten. So mm. what, what happened after that? What about like your teenage years and maybe college and stuff like that? 
Yeah, I really wanted to be an evangelist uh, around about 16 onwards. I was just so passionate about sharing the gospel and I would look, just look, look at people and they'd come to Christ. I'm just kidding, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> but on a That's serious, some powerful ministry there. On, on a serious <laughs> note, um, I would be leading people to the Lord all over the place. I mean, on holiday or at school, in the middle of music class, um, summer holidays, going on missions trips. And I was just so up for that and uh and then my my uh coming through my late teens my 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 parents marriage started to falter which was terribly sad and they then had a really difficult and painful separation and um I decided because of all that we'd been through as a family I really wanted to go into law and go into family law okay much as as anything to help people from an empathetic perspective mm-hmm. who were going through similar things to what we'd experienced. But I, I was working in London and uh, before law school was due to start. And, and I heard God speak to me really emphatically about going into worship and um, as a worship leader, worship artist, worship writer, worship songwriter. And um, I thought this cannot be right. You know, this is definitely not where I see myself at all. And anyone listening who's had that kind of a conversation with God knows that that attempted renegotiation with him is never going to go brilliantly. (laughs) (laughs) And 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 after about five months of trying to tell him he completely got that wrong, it was just so obvious to me that this is what he wanted. And I think because I've been a Christian since I was little, I just got to that point where I'm very sincerely felt that if 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 I was going to have any authenticity as a Christian I couldn't pick and choose the areas that I gave God access to in my life that he either had to be sovereign over everything or not and my vocational choice was one of those things and that was really hard for me to kind of let go of law um but um not not to mention the salary that comes with it, you know, which I thought was going to be great, great fun. <laughs> but um, to go into a faith-based calling, oh, yippee, you know, this will, this will be awful. But anyway, um, I, I thought after five months of praying, look, he's just saying the same thing, the same thing over and over again. So if so, I've got to give him headship here and just give him my yes. Yeah. I have no idea how this will look, how this will shape, how we'll flesh this thing out. But it, but it begins with my surrender. And so that's, that's what I did. I, I said, okay, Lord, yes. But, but, um, but I will have to say this. You will have to be my musical coach. You know, I, I, I can't do this without you. And so I sort of just went into a period of writing. I played instruments, you know, anyway, all my life. And I love music. It was just not something I ever imagined doing uh, as a career. But um. I just started to write worship songs, having never written any worship songs at that point. And I think probably within about six months, the first concert invitation started to come in and it just it just went from there. Mm. Uh, I ended up doing um, three albums. Um, second album was with Kingsway, was signed to Kingsway then, and, and Authentic Media. And then I was offered a two album deal with Integrity, you know, the, the global record label and we were prepping for uh going to memphis to record that fourth album with them and then god just sort of tapped me on the shoulder after all of that and all that journeying and all that touring and all that recording and all that ministering and everything else by that stage had been going on for a few years and he just said son i need to take you out of this for a season and i guess a season can mean anything almost can't it it could it's it's a it's a length of time but it's not a prescribed length of time and that's just the joy of 
the fact that God exists outside of time, isn't it? I mean, a season yeah. to us might be three months, but it could be 18 years for him. Thank- thankfully, it wasn't that long for me. <laughs> well, think of the poor old Israelites, you know, 40 years to do an 11 day journey. <laughs> Let's never be like them. But no. um, and yet in so many ways we are. <laughs> but yeah. um, no, for, for me, it was probably about a six, six or seven year season. Um, yeah. And I would call yeah. it a, a, a deep, deep process of God having to completely reculturalize my heart. Hmm. So what did you do during that time then? You didn't just kind of sit there and wait, I guess, did you? No, we we actually had no idea what to do. You know, um, Jill was a lawyer by profession, and she'd also felt very deeply in her spirit that God was calling her out of that culture and that she was to come mm-hmm. into kind of king, full-time kingdom life, uh, whatever that looked like as well. And so she'd had an equally big laying down of things. And um, whilst we were grieving the loss of her salary... <laughs> <laughs> we were saying to God, okay, I'm not recording albums, I'm not touring or anything else, or doing any conferences or events. I mean, how do we live? Yeah. And um we had this uh with this little one-bedroom cottage at the time on this beautiful country estate just outside Edinburgh. And we had a really profound experience when I was out talking to God one day late at night, and and I heard the Lord say to me, Andrew, this cottage is my wedding gift for you and Jill which I found really deeply moving. And obviously we were just renting it at the time. I didn't really know what that meant, but I had this deep sense that we were going to get to buy it, Um, which about a year later we did just through an extraordinary series of moves of God. Mm. Um, I thought we would be in that house maybe the next 10 years, you know, this was just such an idyllic spot. And then about a year after we bought it, God said, "Get, get ready to move. Well, we already had plans in to convert it and um, do an extension and whatnot on it. So we were well underway with all of that. So we thought we we need to see that through, obviously. We needed the space anyway um, and didn't know how long it would take to sell. So we saw the renovation through. And what was so incredibly profound for us was at the end of it all, when the house did sell, once you subtracted the renovation costs, um, and the purchase price from what we sold that cottage for, we were left with exactly double what we bought it for in the first instance. Mm. So the wedding gift was given to us in its entirety by mm. God. And mm. it's not so much to do with the money or anything else that doesn't really matter. It's more to do with how it speaks to the faithfulness of God and that he watches over his word to perform it. Mm. So uh, having had that one renovation experience and live to tell the tale which is an achievement in and of itself um we we said to god well what are we to do like paul what's our tent building work to be whilst you're you're, you're doing this season of heart transformation yeah. in me yeah. and god said you're to you're to home build and uh, we thought oh okay all right well we've done we've done one before so what do we do and he said well buy, buy another house i mean just in in a way that is just so typically God, you know, you're already like pretty much not working, struggling to pay your mortgage. And then God says, Hey, buy another house. Let's do this. <laughs> you know, let's double up your outgoings in the month. Yeah. <laughs> test your faith. That'll really stretch you young Mitchell. Anyway. So, so we actually found one in a nice village nearby and um, yeah, we needed about 60,000 pounds or so for the deposit 
which the bank said if we got, they would give us a second mortgage for. And we just, well, we had nothing else to do but to pray that money in. And amazingly, yeah. we, we managed to cobble it together, bought that second house, did a lovely conversion job on it with a team of tradesmen and uh, sort of doubled the value of it again. And by this stage, we thought, right, we better formalize this as a company. So we did. And then ended up doing, you know, multi-unit, multi-million pound property developments and had sort of 40 tradesmen working for us, Mm. which was um, pretty intense and a huge cultural shift in terms of environment for me uh, and for Jill, obviously, and um, taught us a huge amount about loving people from different backgrounds, different cultures, honoring them, serving them, actually, you know, being alongside them, being relevant, being approachable, being personable. None of the things that I was very good at beforehand because I'd had a very sheltered life. And I can see exactly what God was doing now, looking back to that time. Um, so, yeah, he, he used that really as a catalyst for some profound change. Um, but I think, you know, what I've learned, Andy, is that what, whatever God puts us into, calling-wise, or whether that's long-term or seasonally or whatever else, really they're just vehicles for him to use as catalysts for our greater transformation in him. And mostly, in my experience, it's been massively un- uncomfortable stuff. And um, and that's exactly where God seems to often meet with me in, in, a, in a place of deep discomfort mm-hmm. where all I can do is, is either run in the other direction or get more kind of committedly onto my knees or face down before him and go help me jesus yeah so i mean you you've talked to some about some of the ways in which or you've implied some of the ways in which god's challenged you there so i wondered if you could just give us perhaps two or three examples of how you've met with jesus and how you've walked with him in your life in, in good things or difficult things things resolved or unresolved yeah, sure. Um, okay, let's start with one that comes to mind straight away. We we ran these great big sort of outdoor um, multi-denominational events on the same country estate that I was telling you our cottage was on. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, a few years after we, we got married and we really felt that God had said to us, don't, don't try to be world class in the things that you do for me. Aim to be kingdom class which we really loved that word. You know, I'm not saying we understood it fully, but we just loved it. It was resonant with us. And we, we felt him tell us to put on these big events where his people could just gather and enjoy times of worship in his presence and some great teaching and whatnot. And that we were to underwrite them. Well, you know, we, at this point, we're, we're renting our cottage. We're kind of on a faith-based income. And, and yet we've got this word about trying to do things to a kingdom class level. And, um, we put on these events on this beautiful estate, which extraordinarily we now own actually, um, but at the time we didn't. And we underwrote them, there was about 40, 50,000 pounds per day just to run these incredible things. And we needed a certain amount of thousands of people to show up to yeah. cover all the costs. And I remember midway through the day, and I mean, I'm leading worship amongst, we had various other people there on the worship roster as well. Um, and they're just looking out at this crowd thinking, I think we needed about 3,000. It feels like there's maybe about 500 people here, um, which which after six months, uh, sorry, six weeks of advertising is probably not bad really for Britain, <laughs> but definitely not what we needed. 
I'm trying to push through and worship and lead people into God's yeah. presence whilst yeah. dying inside at yeah. the thought of the debt that we were going to be left with as this young couple who'd stepped out in faith to do this. And I went back to our cottage um, and just held my head in my hands, you know, just like, God, what, yeah. what, what are you doing? And I went out for a walk around the estate later that night, you know, when it was all done and dusted. And, and God said to me very, very clearly, I am not bankrupting you. I am establishing you. Mm. And that was one of the most profound things God has ever said to me. Um, because as I said, a, a few years later, through an incredible series of moves of God, we became owners of that entire estate. If that doesn't speak to the extraordinary nature of God's faithfulness as a promise keeper, I don't mm. know what does. Mm. So that would be one of the things I would mention. I guess God speaks to me a lot through prophetic dreams, um, so I'll just tell a fun story. Yeah. Let's not go, let's not go deep all the way, Andy. <laughs> no, funny is good. I get a lot of really detailed dreams. And um, you know, in in my married life, I've never weighed myself. I've never really had any reason to. But if, you know, sometime last year, God gave me a dream where I was standing on a set of scales. There were digital scales, and I stood there and I was 13 stone eight, right? And I'm, you know, I'm pretty tall and I was thinking 13 stone eight, that's, is that good? Is that bad? I have no idea, but I've never weighed myself ever in my married life. So I, what, what are you trying to tell me, God? And I didn't really think too much about it for a couple of days and then decided, you know, we don't even own a set of scales. I'll just get some scales. Yeah. I bought some digital scales and I stood on them, having never weighed myself in my adult life. I guess I could have been anything. I was 13 stone eight. <laughs> And I and I, I I knew that God was saying to me in a really fun way, I'm just trying to tell you, Andrew, that when I speak to you through your dreams in detail, there's a level of accuracy that you're walking in that I need you to respect and that I need you to record and take down, you know, and it, and it sort of engendered in me a culture of really writing down the things that that God says and keeping up what I call our family scroll of testimony, which is all on my iPads. So it's not on a nice piece of parchment, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's a scroll of words that God says. And, and, and he speaks to us in so many different ways. So often um, I think that when we show him that we have this level of care and attention and honor that we, uh, you know, uh, um, evidence towards the things that he has said, there's just what I find is that there's just this greatest sort of catalyst for their release in our lives because mm. we're really standing on his promises and, you know, in faith and faith is a catalyst for the miraculous, isn't it? To, to then be released. Yeah. So, so that's really, you know, that's more of a fun story, but equally relevant. Um, I think as well, I'd say, even in terms of my marriage, I was a bit of a, a bit of a loner before I, I met Jill I think because of what my parents had been through, I didn't really want to be hurt and have my heart broken like that. And sure. But Jill came into my life in the most God-ordained, wonderful way. And I remember him saying to me very deeply one day when we were just dating, Andrew, I know you've enjoyed being alone, but I love you too much to let you be alone. And he was really just calling me into this, you know, this place of oneness with and the most amazing girl and, and the, and, and releasing into my life all the beauty that comes with marriage and kingdom marriage. Mm. Uh, so I think, yeah, there's an, there's an array of three for you there and for the listeners mm. that speak of different aspects of God's heart and character and nature towards us as his children. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm wondering if there's an example you can give us of 
where God has really kind of taken you to the brink, perhaps, or, or and you've learned something from it, but it's been it's been a hard won lesson. So, you know, like so many times in life, we the lessons God teaches us, they don't come easy sometimes. Mm, mm. I wonder if there's an example of, of something that something that you've learned that's that's come through difficulty or adversity to you. Mm. There's so many examples, Andy. Um, you know, I'm someone that's had an awful lot of lumps in me that God's had to kind of pull out and extrapolate lovingly over these last few years. Uh, I think for me, when God tapped me on the shoulder, you know, back in kind of 2010 or 2011, said, son, I really need to take you out of the whole worship thing for a season and work on your heart. That was really tough for me initially because I had found too much identity in that stuff and God started to strip all that away. So the thing that was really familiar to me and very natural to me and a huge part of who I was um, was suddenly taken away and I was left kind of free falling and then obviously dealing with a lot of conflicting feelings, some, some of which were guilt, you know, some of which were just huge failure and what an absolute disaster zone I must be as a human being or is God just not able to entrust this precious stuff to me if I completely screwed all of this up and made a complete mess of it and a lot of self-reproachment. And, um, and then what happened was over the period of change that God started to bring about in me, I realized that actually past, in, past experience can never take us as far as personal encounter. And I'd been living from a place of past experience a lot in my life with God. And I'd been ministering out, giving out from that place of past experience. And actually, God wants us to live out from a daily place of personal encounter. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to put our hands up if we're asked the question, have you heard God speak in the last year? Yes. Did you hear him speak in the last six months? Uh, not sure. You know, he wants to speak to us every day. He's got things to say to us every day, whether or not we hear them is another thing, but he's got things to say. And I wasn't hearing them because I wasn't listening. I wasn't taking the time to just be with him. I was giving out constantly from a well that was gradually running dry. And when it did run dry and there was nothing left to give out from, he had to intervene and go, okay, let's, let's, let's just do over. And as he started that process in me, I think what I went, from was rather a kind of a position of a bit of a disgruntled employee <laughs> to a, a very grateful son. Um, yeah. I used to think yeah. I had a hold of these truths and I would have, you know, waxed lyrical about it. But honestly, looking back, I really didn't. And, and when I was stripped of all of that stuff that was sort of speaking to my identity and God said, you know, none of that matters. None of that is who you are going to be in Jesus, who you're going to be in Jesus, your identity in Jesus is going to be entirely based on, on your relationship with him because he abides in you and you will learn to abide in him. Then this process of going from this kind of disgruntled employee, let's say the servant, to this mm -hmm. process of becoming a son um, began. Um, in, in all of that, what's been really tough for me is a very kind of high functioning a type personality which you know i have to constantly lay down it was was the self-sufficiency that that can breed in you if you're like that and what i've had to learn is that faith is not about striving it's about surrendering um 
But I've also learned that, you know, movement magnifies God. So God magnifies movement. In other words, when we take a, a step of faith towards him, he meets us proportionately there mm -hmm. because we've moved in faith towards him. He will move in faith. Mm -hmm. He will move in love towards us. And when we get really honest and real with him and, and can get, <laughs> get over ourselves, you know, and, how, and our, our self-perception or our self-image or whatever it is uh, and, and be fragile and vulnerable with him, then the really great stuff starts to happen in our lives because God moves in direct proportion to the amount of access we give him. And previously I was only really giving him a few meters worth of width, bandwidth, whereas now it's, it's the whole lot. And uh, I found the vulnerability stuff really, really difficult to, to regularly kind of give uh, that level of surrender. And then it started, and I hope this encourages people listening, it started to become more normal to me. I yeah. didn't fear yeah. that process of transformation so much. And I started to trust in the fact that God always has my best intentions at heart. Mm -hmm. And if I would just give myself over to that process of transformation regularly and honestly, I would always come through those times of his intervention and change in my life as a more whole, more free, more complete child. I mean, it, it sounds as if one of the core things here from what you've said is, is this issue of identity and how we can, we can so easily find our identity in something in our lives, our work, family, uh, our, our profession, our, our hobbies, whatever it is. And our sense of our own self we can we can kind of clutch onto that but that's but it's actually identity in god identity in christ that's the real deal and god kind mm. of peels away these precious i say the word precious advisedly things from us mm. so that we're thrown back on him yeah it sounds like that you've had a kind of you've had the kind of master class in that almost yeah, so, so true, Andy. Uh, I mean, you know, you're, you're just speaking such truth there. And it's so vital that we get a hold of this stuff. It's very counter to how the world operates. You know, the world doesn't want to encourage vulnerability. The last thing any of us want to be in the world is sort of disempowered. And that's how vulnerability is viewed. But in God, vulnerability is one of the most empowering things we can ever learn to regularly do. Mm -hmm. Just be vulnerable with him. Uh, I, think, I think what's vital is that, um, you know, we become like the one we worship. And if we worship our, our career or our vocation or whatever trappings that that gives us, then we'll just, that will be the, 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 the culture that we reflect. When we spend more time with God and we press into him more, we let him have the level of access to our hearts and our lives that are necessary to fix our hearts and renew our minds, then we'll start to reflect him a lot more. And then everything that we then do moving forward in life goes from being very horizontal, shall we say, which is very us-centric, to being very vertical, which mm. is very God-glorifying. And the, the, the wonderful thing about that is, I mean, I, I didn't even know in the past that I had issues with some insecurities or self-identity problems. I would never have admitted to. I certainly didn't uh, acknowledge it. But it was only when God started to do these things in me, I realized, my gosh, I'm, a dis I'm an absolute nightmare. And I'm, I'm a complete and utter mess. And I thought I was pretty sorted. I had the whole, I've been a Christian <laughs> since I was 10 thing going on. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah you, you maybe have been, but you've also got a lot of religious 
nonsense in there that is needing yeah. teased out and extrapolated yeah. a lot of workspace stuff you know a lot of justification through works garbage that that holy spirit is needing to now lovingly kind yeah. of unravel and 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 bring me into a place of greater freedom um so yes uh i, I would say i found it really really difficult the first few years and then it started to become a joy to actually willingly clamber up on the spiritual operating table with god and go okay crank me open lord i'm ready for the next bit <laughs> <laughs> i can feel like that sometimes can't it mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> okay um now i know you 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 talked a little bit there about um god told you to put down your music for a season well i know that you've picked it up again and perhaps over a period of time you've been working on songs um can you tell us what's with that now then where where have you got to with with worship and songs and, and that that side of life yeah i mean whilst i didn't do any live events or recording or ministry or anything over these last few years what i did do was kind of faithfully write every song that i felt holy spirit brought to my heart mm. and just stored them up really and it, and it became a grain store of worship material and just had this sense that god was saying i know where you are i know what field you're in and i'll come and find you when i when when the time is right for for re-emergence mm. um, and then that started to become more obvious Um, from about two years ago and I started to um, put songs into production we have an amazing production team actually and um, just waited for the sense of God's timing and then this this February um, he he just brought that sense of resonance I guess to us that now is the time and because none of it's about me and none of it's for me at all and I feel a complete freedom in it now I get to move from a place of just absolute worship and adoration as opposed to feeling like it's a job or it's a calling yeah you know if you'd asked me in the past why do you write worship why do you worship god i said because i'm called to now i would simply say because i have to and yeah. so I, I suppose that epitomizes so much of the change that god's brought about and me necessary change which i'm so grateful for but um yeah we we, we felt God was saying that I, he was going to bring spokes of a wheel around us in terms of great producers and engineers and players and all the rest of it. And um, we would have this um, company of archers, actually, was what we felt, that we're going to help these songs to, to go to the places they needed to go to in order to have maximum Im- impact mm-hmm. in people's lives and for God. And so earlier this year, really had an ex- amazing experience one night i have to say and is having a couple of whiskeys out in the summer house in the garden in front of the fire with a really good buddy of mine and yeah. uh it's nothing to do with the single malts or anything but <laughs> holy, holy spirit gave me a vision and i, I never normally get visions actually but it was the word mm. safe house i just saw it very clearly And we knew that he was saying that the new record and music publishing company we've now launched was to be called Safe House. Okay. One of the really cool things is that, um, you know, the the estate that we own is is a place of amazing kind of spiritual significance. People have been encountering God there for over 800 years. And Jill's family, the Abernethys, were one of just two families in Scotland who, by royal charter, um in, in in ages past were given the right to grant spiritual sanctuary to anyone who entered their estates 
And so when we became the owners of our estate through an amazing series of moves of God, we felt that there was an unlocking of generational blessing that we were Mm -hmm. to stand on now in this age and in this time. And so when God gave the name Safe House um, for this new company, we just knew it spoke to that, that history and that calling as well. So um, For All You Have Done is the first worship song to come out from this new season of emergence. And um, we're just in a fairly kind of regular process of the production team, putting them all through the studio and releasing them one by one. But this song is really key for us because it came at a particularly challenging time where we'd just been crying out to God for breakthrough in some big areas and not really had any breakthrough. And, um, you know, amongst, on top of everything else that we'd had to live through in the last 18 months with the pandemic and, you know, huge financial losses and uh, everything else, we're busy trying to fight for the well-being and the welfare of our 70 staff and the reliance their families have on us, so about 200 people and, you know, trying to bring light and hope and everything else into the midst of this hugely challenging situation and I was looking at our two-year-old daughter um, this day who's in the kitchen just really wonderfully unaware of the challenging circumstances we'd been navigating our way through and I was very very grateful to God that she was so blissfully and innocently untouched by any of that Mm. but on the other hand it just kind of broke me that Jill and I had had been navigating our way through so much conflict um, for such a long time and and felt very isolated actually and these words just formed in my heart the peace of Christ into my life the peace of Christ into our home the peace of Christ into our hearts and a melody came along with it you know Mm -hmm. just instantaneously so I sort of ran to the piano and started to write and over the next 90 minutes or so this this song for all you have done just birthed out from the the depths of my being, like this deep heart's cry to God. And we just worshipped him with it for about two hours after writing it solidly, just kept singing and singing and singing it. And, um, you know, we experienced one of the deepest moves of God we've ever experienced in our lives with this song. The whole atmosphere of our house shifted from one of real stress and anxiety and concern about the future to one of absolute peace. And the culture in our hearts seems to instantaneously get changed as well as we worship God with it. You know, when we worship God, we're reminded of who he is. And so worship is just this incredible catalyst for for change in our our hearts. And um, it was like as we we worshipped him, God, God just invited us to thank him in advance for all of the things, the good things that he has done in our futures, even though we've not lived those days yet, we're not physically there yet, but in faith, we can stand on the promises of who he says he is mm-hmm. and trust that he is faithful and good. And, and so that's what the song is about. It's really an invitation to thank him for all he has done in our futures and in our lives. Mm-hmm. And as we did that, it was like he took all of the, the strain and the, the tension of the stuff that we were trying to, uh, you know, get through. And he just sort of put it in our rear view mirror. And it was, it was like he brought this completely other sense of perspective to it. I've been there. I've seen it. I've fixed it. Don't worry. I've gone ahead of you. I've made a way. Um, 
I watch over my word to perform it. And my word is, is full of promises to you as my children. And I, I will protect you. I will prosper you. I will give you a future that is filled with hope. And I was deeply restorative to us in the midst of this pandemic period. And um, we just knew as it was being written that that song was going to have a huge impact in people's lives all over the world and it just felt very fitting that it should be the first song release from the new safe house label okay so i think what we're going to do is we're going to listen to that song that you've been talking about andrew um so that all of us listening to this podcast could just maybe rest rest in that we've all felt anxiety for so many reasons uh, and difficulties pandemic and other things in life but um gratitude is a great <sighs> I don't know, a great cleanser almost. Uh, yeah. Um, so let's just let's just hear that song now and, and rest in it in God. The peace of Christ into my heart. Of Christ into my home, the peace of Christ into my life, the peace of Christ, peace of Christ, the love of God into my soul, the love of God deep in my bones, the love of God to give me hope. Love of God I will sing to my Savior
Okay. So, Andrew, can you just remind us of how people can find out more about that song, listen to it again? What's the way? Where can we find it? Yeah, of course. Um, it's available to download on forallyouhavedone.com. And people can also access the backing track for their churches if they want to start using it, sheet music, the guitar charts, all of that stuff is available on that site as resources as well. And if they want to follow us on social media, on Instagram, it's at Safe House Scotland is the handle, at Safe House Scotland, where they'll get regular updates about um, all sorts of press and media and new song releases and things like that, as well as a lot of inspirational words and encouragement for life. Okay, so so uh, on the internet, it's forallyouhavedone.com. And for social media, it's at Safe House Scotland. Absolutely, yeah. Right. Okay, Andrew, is there anything, anything else final you want to share with us before we finish at all? Yeah, there is actually something on my heart, Andy, if I may. I, mm. I want to say to people that they're listening that it's impossible to be the child of a king and not be a royal son or daughter. And one of the deep things that God has spoken to Jill and I about over these last few years is that we are heaven's royalty upon the earth. And that the way we see ourselves is often so different from how God sees us. It's impossible for God to view us as disappointments. He sees us as so complete and so whole and so finished because of the righteousness of Jesus um, in our lives. And there's all sorts of things that I stand on now that I maybe couldn't have imagined standing on some years ago, but it's, but it's all because of giving God access to forge in me deep identity in Jesus. And if we do that, there are all sorts of incredible blessings and uh, areas of increase and uh, that we'll walk into. But in, in my case, I would say that, you know, when God, lovingly chooses to humble us he always does it without demeaning us so mm. that when he chooses to elevate us it will be without amplifying us and so if our heart is genuinely after the things of him it's always that he will be glorified that in seeking first his kingdom it's that he will be glorified and that when that's our heart and that's 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 been the journey I've been on to come to that place where that is deeply and sincerely my heart the things that God can do in and through us are vastly beyond anything that we could ever imagine for ourselves and so I want to encourage people and, and say dream dream big not because it's catchy <laughs> but because we're we're children of the greatest dreamer that that exists and we will never be able to outdream God so 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 to be vulnerable and dream with him it doesn't matter how crazy some of those dreams may sound I actually dreamed long before I ever owned a beautiful country estate that I would own a country estate and partly my dream was because I love the sense of community there is that people can come and be restored and have times of refreshing and encounter with God mm. did I ever think I'd really own one can't say for sure but it was very much in God's heart that I would and now I do but um, but but there's so much more to his dream for our lives still and and always will be, as I said, we'll never outdream him. So so be vulnerable with with Father God and dream with him, because that's that's a huge part of what it is to be a child of the king and trust that as one who is infinitely able to resource, he can always do things abundantly more than we can think of or hope for 
or imagine. Dreaming is a vulnerable thing to do because it's putting longings and desires of your heart out there. But the desires of our hearts are hugely important to God, and he desperately wants to be part of those conversations with us. So go ahead and dream. Amen. Um, yeah. Andrew, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's been a joy to be with you, Andy. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Testimony Podcast. You can subscribe to the Testimony Podcast on all of the major podcast distributors and follow us on Twitter at TestimonyCast and Instagram at Testimony Podcast. If you want to find out more about the Christian faith and connect with someone to talk about your experiences or answer your questions, just go to www.christianity.org.uk from wherever you are in the world. That's www.christianity.org.uk. I look forward to sharing more of the stories that matter from people of faith with you soon. Until then, thank you for listening and goodbye.